so thank you, Renaud. So we're, we're going to change the, the kind of presentation that we're going to do, but now it's somewhat of a moment that I have been waiting for. Um, just quickly, I, if I was going to give a title to this introduction, I would simply call it Truth. So this is what it's about. Um, Irma Boom modestly describes herself as a bookmaker, a title that speaks to her commitment to the artisanal aspects of her craft. This modest title um, is greatly understated. I would more precisely describe Irma Boom, and this is where I feel she intersects with the Bard Graduate Center and everything that Peter said this morning. I would describe her as a scholar of books, a description that I trust you will come to understand in her presentation. Now, this is the, that was part of the truth part, and here it comes. Um, if you read the recent New York Times review of Rem Koolhaas's Country House exhibition at the Guggenheim, you would know that Michael Kimmelman correctly described Irma Boom as the great, great Irma Boom. But he made a mistake. He did not tell the truth when he said that the book that she had done with Rem is an inside joke of some kind. That is absolutely not the case because it is based on Irma Boom's scholarship. It is based on the oldest book in the Vatican, which he will tell you about in a moment. And then there are other truths to tell as well. And this brings me back to our first project with Irma Boom, which she calls the Manifesto. That is a project that would not have been possible without someone else in this room, Christina Gorales. Christina Gorales pushed me, I guess people have been saying that I've been pushing them, um, but she pushed me to meet with Sheila Hicks again, to work on Sheila Hicks, to do an exhibition on Sheila Hicks, you know, in only the way if you know Christina Gorales, the only that she can. And then she became Sheila Hicks's gallerist, but only for a few short moments until Sheila Hicks' life radically changed. And then Christina Gorales was no longer Sheila Hicks's gallerist. I'll leave that up to you for your own interpretation. But then there's another aspect of this that's truth, which is a bookmaker who makes an artist's life again. And that is actually what happened with our Sheila Hicks book, that Irma Boom remade Sheila Hicks's career. And with that, I will introduce her to you and invite her to come here. What an introduction, Nina. Maybe it's the truth. I don't know. I don't know. There are so many truths. And if you make books, there are so many makers. There's also you uh, who worked on this book as an editor. There is, of course, Christina. There, there's so many people. And But I must say, um, so I brought to this presentation five books. Three were presented uh, this week. 
And uh, but I wanted to start with the Sheila Hicks book because it it, it was an interesting uh, project. I worked with Sheila to uh, when she invited me to uh, to work on a, on uh, on her book for about four or five years, and it was uh, a journey with Sheila, traveling with Sheila, eating with Sheila, uh, doing all kinds of uh, things to to get to know her, and. Um, and it was that moment when Nina uh, visited uh, Sheila Hicks' studio in Paris, where she saw a model of the book, a model of this, uh, the book I've made. And I think that was also one of the reasons that you said, I want to make that book. So you made something I worked on for four or five years. Uh, you made it happen. Um, it was not an easy task to work on this project. Uh, and I don't think that any book I'm working on is easy. I think all the books are trouble and are a struggle. And uh, it's also because I try to, to do something in another way. For me, the, the book and the culture of the book is so important. So I try to, to make this oldest medium, which I think is one of the most stable mediums. Uh, I want to give it a new life. I want to, to bring it further. And if you do that, uh, uh, if you do something new, you always get a lot of uh, yeah, resistance. And I can handle that resistance until a certain moment. And uh, I must say I'm a very, very stubborn person. And even uh, I can tell Nina. <laughs> even uh, Nina fired me on the job when I was working on the Hicks book. And I, I thought it was such a joke. I thought, how can, how can somebody fire you? And I thought, I'm from the Netherlands. The Netherlands was already mentioned many times, the stale, out, <laughs> to say it correctly, and Wendingen. Um, but um, in, a, in the Netherlands, we have a consensus. Uh, we have a bolder uh, country. And you would always discuss uh, things. You would never invite somebody to a meeting and then tell uh, me, you're fired. And so... I, I didn't believe it. I totally didn't believe it. I thought it was a joke. So, and I was teaching at Yale, uh, also as uh, Sheila Hicks studied. And uh, so I thought, well, strange. But anyway, I thought I keep on working because the book had a deadline. And if you make a book, there has to be a deadline, otherwise no book. So I kept on working. And then uh, after two weeks, I got emails again from Nina. She understood that I uh, was simply continue working on the project and um, and also um, yeah how can I say that um, yeah for me it was uh, I worked already for four yeah what I said four or five years with um, Sheila on the project so for me it was um, yeah uh, I could not return and, and could leave it alone so I didn't also believe it and it's something about topography so working with Sheila was a was a challenge but also super nice and with Nina and with John Simon, the whole team. Um, and, but when, uh, when I met Sheila, I didn't know her work at all. And, uh, but we immediately had a sort of click because she, uh, she studied at Yale and I'm teaching already 28 years at Yale for a long time. And uh, she gave me this, this text of Artudonto, uh, weaving as metaphor and model for political thought. So I thought, um, reading that text in the train back to to Amsterdam, I thought, well, if I make a book for Sheila, then it, the text of Danto has to be very prominent. Because for the uh, person who doesn't know anything about Sheila's work, they would call it uh, a carpet. 
uh, the printer I worked with, they always said, yeah, that carpet book. I said, no, it's miniatures, it's weavings, it's experiment experimental work, and it's small. Now the book on carpets. Um, so it was, it was always a confusion about this uh, whole thing. But anyway, um, when I uh, read this text carefully, I thought, I want to have this text of Tanto very big in the book. And if you turn the pages, the text becomes smaller and smaller. I think I missed a page. Uh, and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. So by the time you think that you have uh, read the text, you have uh, it's over. So you, you understand the work of Shiva Hicks. And I thought that was an interesting uh, idea. But uh, the, I'm not sure what Nina thought about it, but it's definitely a Yale Press. They said uh, that uh, this is an academic book and uh, we don't play any room for the one text. So text has to be on one size. And don't uh, and nothing else. Don't play with it. Just this. And um, but then I uh, then the text I must say was a bit bigger. But then I said, "Is uh, so?" They said it's a text from Arthur Danto, very famous art critic. But I said, "Is the guy still alive?" And then uh, so I was a bit rude. I'm, I'm a little bit like you, a bit <laughs> so like considerate, sort of fighting and a bit hey and. Uh, <laughs> And so, uh, uh, of course, and then at that time he was still alive. So Sheila went to um, to Arthur Danto and showed uh, my topography. And Danto said, it's the first time that my uh, Texas type said so brilliantly. So I still have the email. And so then, so there was no excuse anymore to uh, to reject my uh, topography. So that's there. And Another thing is that uh, the book relatively uh, is simple. It's small. Uh, if you think of all the other books for Yale and Bart, they're always very big books. But this book is relatively small because it's about miniatures. And um, and I also, uh, when, when I uh, talked to Sheila many times, she always said that the salvage of the work is very important. And for me, the edges of the book are very important. So what I did was I, I experimented for so many years to find a way how to make the edges rough so that it becomes an image wine with, with uh, Sheila's work. And so um, one more thing about this book. Um, if you make a book and if you make a white book where you can hardly see anything, there's a sort of embossing on the cover. So it's an, a graphic interpretation of uh, the, the work of Sheila. And I made an embossing of uh, Sheila's work with sort of weaving Sheila Hicks, Sheila Hicks, Sheila Hicks. That's, that's what this whole embossing is. But uh, the uh, publishers doesn't like uh, they don't like white books because a white book doesn't sell. But I thought, imagine if you have a work, a textile work on the cover of a book, who will pick up that book? I think only. That's my opinion. Hundred people who are interested in textile design, and I thought this was such an interesting project and such an interesting artist. It should be available, and it should get the, the, the yeah. Many people should get to know uh, her work. So I wanted to make a book which is sort of intriguing, and the moment you pick it up, you don't want to be, to put it down. Um, but your press said all the time, not the, her work is so colorful, put an image on the, on the cover, put an image on the cover. And I said, I cannot do it, then I simply don't hand in uh, the design. And so that went on for a while, and 
in the end, the book is there as it is, and, uh, and now we're thinking of the, of the sixth edition. So, and it became my manifesto of the book. Um, um, it was the MoMA who said, uh, because um, Paola Antonelli saw this book, she said, now we will collect your work. Uh, Sheila made a, a, a complete new uh, career, and so I think we're all benefited a lot of this cooperation. Um, I stopped too long, so I will do this quickly. I work uh, a lot for the Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam. I also, uh, it's our national museum, the Museum of Rembrandt and Vermeer. Um, I also made a logo, and then you think it's a very simple logo, Rijksmuseum. So you would say, you would pronounce, I think, Rijks differently, because the I and the J is, uh, the, is only the sound in the Dutch language, which is an I. So Rijksmuseum. Um, so that's why you cannot pronounce this. You also the steel. Um, so so I thought, uh, and you're all um, uh, so in the Rijksmuseum. The, the most of the people who come there are tourists. There it's eighty or ninety percent. So nobody can pronounce it. And so I thought I want to make a sort of image of the word Rijks, which basically means a state museum, national museum. And so I put a space between Rijks and museum. For you, for the English uh, people or sp uh, English language people, it's normal to have a space between words. But in the Netherlands, in our and in Germany and all these uh, European countries, you put words together. So basically, the uh, Rijks museum is with no space. But I made a space, and there was a big contro controversy uh, when it came out. Um, so when the logo was uh, released, um, I could not leave my house for two weeks. There was we have a space police in the Netherlands, so they check if you if you put words in a specific way. If because if if you separate them or keep them or put them together, you can have another meaning. And they said, well, if the Rijksmuseum, the National Museum, is fooling around with a space, then where is our Dutch language anymore? And so there was really, it was on the eight o'clock news. It was on every newspaper. And so the journalists were in front of my house and I have a back door, so they didn't know. <laughs> but so, uh, and at, at some point I thought the Rijks Museum will get terrified by that whole idea of all these acquisitions. And everybody was, also people on the street, they asked, what do you think of the Rijks Museum logo? They said, oh, it's bad because it has a space. So people have no idea about all this. They said, oh yeah, no, it's really bad. And at some point I thought the Rijks probably wants me to, to put it together, but uh, it didn't happen because one of the, the, the director of the Dutch uh, dictionary uh, said, well, it is good that, that we, uh, so he was on the 8 o'clock news, he said, yeah, all this, 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 uh, this stuff about this space. And he said, well, you have some people who try to develop a language and, and play with the language. If that hadn't, hadn't been done by Fondo, or other people, then the, 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 the language would never develop. So I would say uh, we, uh, I wanted to take it in, in the Dutch dictionary, even the word Dijk space museum. Of course, it, 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 it didn't do it because it's a name. But uh, he said it's good to develop um, well, the language, so it's there. But it was it was hell. 
I can tell you, because I always thought, what did I do wrong? And I thought, it's just to make a logo. And if you make a logo, you have uh, artistic freedom. So who cares? Um, anyway, uh, and I want to talk about time. All the books I show, except the Shit and Hips book, but all the books have something with time. It's all, all the books are in a hurry. And I think it's also because of new techniques. Uh, people think that you can make a book in a week or so. But this extremely fat book, uh, it has about uh, 800 pages, is made in two weeks. I made a show for Rembrandt at the Rijksmuseum. It's uh, 300 etchings and portraits on the back, and 60 drawings and 22 uh, paintings. But when I made the exhibition, and it's all from the collection from the Rijksmuseum, there was no catalogue, and I always said to Taco Dibbits, the director of the museum, why don't we make a catalogue? Because it's it's your crowd, it's it's all the Rembrandts of the Rijksmuseum. And there's no catalogue for every, sorry for the word, fucking exhibition. There is a catalogue, and not for your own, the, the thing you're proud of. And then he, he sent me, if you can make the book in two weeks, do it. I worked day and night, and I, really, I still have pain in my shoulder. Uh, I worked for day and night and made a book, and it was there for two weeks. And 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 what for me is good. The, the, also, you see the cover is a bit. Uh, it's a detail of one of the etchings of Rembrandt, and I place it in blue because it, I think to make it blue, it becomes suddenly modern because Rembrandt in, in the Netherlands maybe also here. Is an artist who is brown, you associate it with brown and dark. And I thought to give him a bit more uh, yeah, contemporary uh, feeling and I make it uh, yeah, almost like a big pen, it's, uh, it's blue. And of course, um, because it was done in such a quick, uh, quick way, nobody saw the cover, no marketing people involved. Got Thank you. And uh, and the book was a bestseller. It sold out, I think, in three books. It's a three weeks. So. So I made, I'm, uh, I was last week also in uh, New York. And um, and I was maybe with, not with MoMA, but with Ram. So last week I was in, uh, also in uh, New York. I came back uh, two days ago. Uh, because uh, in one week, three books I've made uh, were released or published. So it's for me a miracle in, in one week, three books. And all very different books. And if you look at all my books, they're all completely different. Because I, I maybe I have a style, but if I have a style, uh, I think it's my attitude uh, towards books. Uh, so all the books are different because uh, I think that the content of the book is for me uh, the most in, uh, important part, why the book gets, gets a certain form. Um, so this book uh, I did, uh, it's, a, it's not a catalogue, we call it the book for the Guggenheim uh, Countryside Exhibition, which Remco has uh, made for, uh, yeah, I worked on for six years and I worked on this book, but I don't, don't dare to say how short time um, but anyway uh, this book is uh, it's on the countryside and I do a study in the Vatican library in, in Rome and I've been there six months now and I'm continuing researching there and what I found out that the oldest book in the Vatican is on the countryside it's a poem on the countryside it's the Virgil 
and it's 500 after Christ. It's a, uh, it's a manuscript. But uh, when I was, uh, I researched not only manuscripts, uh, and, and I'm researching basically what happened to the book, because the book nowadays is such a conservative medium, and I try really to keep it alive and, and, and bring it further. And, and I think because it's the most stable information carrier we have, I think we sh really should uh, treasure the whole book. And I think the book, because of the flux of the internet, becomes more relevant. It's fixed information, it's edited information, and uh, and that's why it, uh, you 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 don't make a book of, uh, for now, but I think you make a book for the future. And that's also what I realized working uh, in the in the Vatican Library. Um, and then a lot of book I found in the Vatican Library was um, a book from uh, Aldus Manusius uh, from 1501. It was the oldest pocket book uh, uh, printed, and Aldus Manusius uh, uh, wanted to democratize uh, the virtue. So the oldest book, the pocket book in the Vatican Library is uh, is this size. So it's, And it, the content was again virtual, so the book on the countryside. And I told Rem uh, when we were working on uh, catalog, let's make, uh, yeah, let's uh, revert to our book, to this, to, to the first printed pocket book. And he, when I showed him the size, he said, well, that's very small. Because uh, uh, Rem and I make fat books. We did elements of architecture, two thousand five hundred pages, and and we were working it for for ages. And uh, yeah, and and I made an SH three book. He a very fat book. He did SMLXL, and then I come with this idea to make a small book. He said, "Well, the content will never fit in it." So, so it has to be. We, I uh, when I uh, in my study at the Vatican. I measure every book. I do a, a, an exact uh, a calculation and measurement of all the books. I, I make a description of the books because you cannot photograph in the Vatican. Basically, if you see the descriptions of the books I've studied, you can remake a book. And that's, I think, uh, a very interesting thing. And because you cannot photograph in the Vatican, I had to look more carefully than ever. So I'm, I'm, I'm really now a trained eye for I have to waste that time. Okay. Um, sorry. Okay. And <laughs> and uh, so uh, this book is a complete, uh, has the complete same dimensions as the, the book on Virgil in the Vatican. And I thought also it was an interesting idea that that content, uh, a that a book can make content uh, democratic. And this book uh, is small, uh, it's relatively uh, cheap. And there's an enormous print run. That's also what for me is super important that a book has a print run, because then then it makes uh, sense to make a book because it's the representation of uh, information. And um, but anyway, so when we showed it to the Guggenheim, I also had to tell the story about Virgil, about uh, about August Munitius, the printer and publisher from Venice, uh, and that this was produced in 1501. And people were then convinced because basically a small book people associate with a book on yeah with a, a, a book for poems, and 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 of course I said and yeah but it is a reference to a book. Uh, to a poem, a, a very long poem, because the virtue was uh, many pages. And again, same thickness. And I also made a new typeface for this uh, for this book. And uh, if you see the book, it looks a little bit gray, but that it's because I made a typeface uh, with a reference to uh, to a big pen. 
those rem colonnades in the book only called uh, RK is uh, always uh, writes with a with a red big big pen, but my uh, I always use a blue big pen, so I'm a bit blue. And that's why if you look at the text, it looks a bit uh, it looks a bit old. So it has this reference to the old uh, Virgin book. Um, and I'm continuing my research at the Vatican, uh, and uh, I will make a publication about it in maybe a few years. I'm not sure when. If, if a book has no deadline, it doesn't exist. So uh, I have to set a deadline. Uh, another book I did in a, in a relatively short time is the book for, for the MoMA, for Neri Oxman, the show which opened uh, last week. And it's a book, um, uh, I must say, I didn't know uh, Neri Oxman at all. Uh, she's this, uh, the, the MIT professor who's researching to build with uh, natural uh, materials. And when I uh, read about her and looked, looked her up, I thought uh, the, the, I, I was thinking of whole Earth catalog, and so this it doesn't look like whole Earth catalog at all. But uh, but it's it is my reference. I cannot make it anyway. Um, and so this book is full of images and captions. And uh, when I showed it to uh, Paola and uh, and online to to Neri, uh, and I explained my ideas that uh, that I thought that the book should be, uh, yeah, sort of. Uh, if you look at it, if you think uh, it, it has all these images and, and captions, so that it's that you can go from one image to another, and that it's it's this uh, richness of her research that you can uh, can see. And only after these full pages, really full, very scientific images. Uh, you get a sort of hero images where you can see uh, the, the beauty of, of, of the work of uh, Neri and you can see this, she has a silkworm pavilion and in detail you can see the silkworms working like hell on making uh, a pavilion. I think there, there were 70,000 uh, silkworms uh, for the pavilion to build the pavilion. But anyway, um, so uh, every book, so you see, this is also completely different. But uh, what for me is interesting when I uh, propose an idea like this to uh, to the authors, uh, they um, they said, okay, we like the idea. So the content is made for the book. So it's not that there was images and and text already ready. No, it it is made for this uh, for the for the design concept. So and that works, of course, really good because then. Uh, a book is not uh, uh, one plus one becomes minus three, but then it becomes plus five. So it it adds to it. You help each other, and a book is a collaborative effort, and uh, and that's what I always try to do that that you work together and, and bring it to uh, yeah, to another level. Um, that's that. It's printed in Turkey, so I couldn't go to press check. Um, yeah, uh, this book, of course. Eileen Gray, and then if you think of a book for Eileen Gray, should it be gray or should it be yellow? Should it be blue? <laughs> and, and, and I really thought all the time, oh, I thought I should make, um, should make a red book or should I make... Uh, I always wanted to give a color or even I wanted to give her a name. Uh, I want to, had her in, wanted to have her name on the edges so to make it white and I thought if it's on a bookshelf, you can see the name Eileen Gray very well. And then I showed a PDF to Nina. She said, why is it white? 
said, well, I think that it works on the bookshelf. <laughs> but she said, no, you, you, I have seen gray versions, so let's keep it gray. And then I thought, yeah, maybe it should be gray. And I always make these uh, tiny uh, models. And, uh, and then I also thought, well, if we make a book for Eileen Gray, why not have something on the spine, uh, on, the, on the edges? So I used the, the Billy Bee uh, carpet to, to, uh, in an abstract form, uh, so it's only in gray, uh, um, on the edges. And so that's why, if you see the book, um, it, is, uh, it has this, uh, yeah, this work of Eileen Gray. And what I think was interesting of hearing all the wonderful uh, talks today, that um, so sort of intuitively, uh, I made the book also very in a sort of abstract form. Uh, the typography of the of the inside has all these abstract forms, and uh, so the, the the text is not uh, right flush or whatever you call it, but it's all uh, justified. So it becomes sort of very uh, abstract, and even the, the captions to the images are placed in the column, so you get another. Form. And it really relates, and, and that's only what I realized uh, sitting here this morning. So it really, uh, um, yeah, refers to the work of Eileen Gray. It has all these, um, all these, uh, yeah, sharp forms. So and it's like her, uh, like her works. And so there was an interesting uh, finding today. And further, so this is the the work which is also on show uh, at the White Graduate Center. This is the the rug uh, where I revert uh, my edges to. Um, and another thing is that the, the design of the book, I, I really don't, Nina has fantastic words, but I don't consider myself as a, as a good designer, not at all. I'm still trying and experimenting. And, um, and, and only the content makes, uh, gives me the, 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 the inspiration for the, for the design. And um, and the way I lay out this, uh, these pages uh, refers very much to the layout of the portfolios of uh, the Eileen Gray book. Uh, the portfolios uh, you have seen this morning already. So it's uh, so the way I design is very intrinsic. So it is it is from from the content I uh, I start working uh, on a project. Something about color gray. I also had an idea to uh, to put the text in gray. But then I thought, imagine if people see a book with text in gray, they think it's badly printed. So I thought, well, let's keep it black. Let's don't fool around. Let's keep it black. But further, uh, all the references in the in the text have a sort of uh, highlight, almost if you were uh, highlighted with a marker, figure uh, numbers or something like that. So it's also to give basically a sort of classic. Uh, uh, typography with an enormous uh, column width, a sort of modern uh, character. Um, yeah, talking about time. So uh, the three books, so the the, the, um, the Eileen Gray book, the Kohlhaas book, and the Neri Oxman book, the Mama book, they all almost killed me. I think it, I was... <laughs> I will live uh, ten years less. Maybe that, that that's for the, for the whole book world uh, uh, great, but I think for me I worked like hell, and I hardly slept. Uh, and I'm amazed that I'm standing here, <laughs> and that I came back to New York. Uh, so flying is also not uh, the, the best uh, thing for your health. But anyway, 
Uh, I flew back because I thought it was important to be here today uh, uh, and, and to hear all the stories and be at the opening of the, the wonderful Ivan Gray show. So all the compliments to the people here at the first row. Um, but uh, nowadays, uh, yeah, making books is people think that because it's all uh, with computers and quick presses that uh, that you can make a book quickly. But it's not true. It's it is it is a wonder that. I guess that the, the text and images came in on January 15, and it was handed in to the printer at February 15. So four weeks later, it's four weeks of uh, Nina was there as well of no sleep and uh, and just uh, get it done. But the funny thing is that the book gives so much energy, and if you make a book in a flow, so this is a paradox um, that uh, that that. Uh, it, it's basically good for the book that it's based, uh, that it's made in such a short amount of uh, of time, and that it all came together as uh, as one. And I think that's the good about short timing. Thank you, Nina. <laughs>